And so, so we are, we are opening eyes to imagine a world and, you know, a world that maybe isn't. And so there's the past and the civilization and the heritage and the jewels, but then there's also the world that isn't yet. Welcome to another podcast of Prisma Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Elliot Rabin, and I am Prisma's Director of Thought Leadership. This podcast is part of a series called Research Encounter, featuring a conversation between scholars and day school leaders about a recent work of scholarship. I have the great pleasure today to host uh, four guests, and we're going to be talking about a recent document produced by two of them called 18 by 18. And we're going to be have an opportunity to delve into issues of the real meat of Jewish education, including vision, goals, and curriculum. Now, let me welcome our four panelists today. Uh, in 2003, Rebecca Schorsch began teaching at Rochelle Zell Jewish High School, where she has been director of Jewish studies for the past eight years. Choosing to close this beautiful chapter to write another meaningful and joyful one, God willing, Rebecca taught her last high school class at Rochelle Zell just today. Benjamin Jacobs is associate research professor at the George Washington University, where he directs the master's program in experiential Jewish education and the iCenter graduate programs in Israel education. He is co-chair of the advisory board of the Collaborative for Applied Studies in Jewish Education, known as CASG. Hillel Broder is currently the principal at DRS Yeshiva High School, and he has previously served as a teacher, grade dean, and college counselor at SAR High School. He holds a BA from Yeshiva University and a PhD in English from the CUNY Graduate Center. Ari Hazan is Professor Emeritus of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and now serves as Adjunct Professor at the George Washington University Graduate School of Education and Human Development. He's the author of books and articles on philosophy of education, moral education, informal education, Jewish education, and Israel education. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Ben, why don't you begin and... and enlighten our listeners about what these 18 things, principles, I don't want to put a label <laughs> to them, these 18 things are, and, and then I'll, we'll follow up from there. So the 18 Jewish things a young Jew should know, care about, and be able to do by age 18 was a project that Barry and I worked on together um, and has come to light uh, recently um, as it has gotten off the shelf and into the field with the acceleration of M Square, the Institute for Experiential Jewish Education, um, that's working with several organizations and institutions in a fellowship. And one of the things, because you, you tipped it off already from the beginning, Elliot, was that the word things has been a big question mark, you know. Um, so maybe we can return to that in a minute. But but I will lay them out just for listeners so they can know what these 18 things are. So they are in no particular order. Contribute to the chain of Jewish tradition. Connect with Jews around the world. Cultivate 
Jewish friendships, engage with Jewish role models, participate in the kihiva or community, discover Judaism's relevance to life's questions, practice tikkun olam and gemilut chasadim, care about Israel and her people, interpret Jewish texts and core narratives, recognize the significance of wrestling with God, explore sanctity, spirituality, and prayer, appreciate Jewish culture and its broad influences, respond to issues facing American Jewry, understand the why and how of Jewish meets vote, engage in Jewish rituals, holidays, and events, access Hebrew and Jewish terminology, partake in Jewish culinary traditions, and experience Jewish arts and culture. We sort of envision these as we develop this project as a pretty comprehensive list of things that would be intended as outcomes for the variety of inputs in the Jewish education ecosystem that we would hope many young Jews would be able to participate in from birth to the age of 18. This is a bigger panoramic, which reflects our own view that the 21st century is simply a new reality. And we no longer um, should think, with all due respect, to the uh, terminologies or structures of the 20th century. Uh, American education basically translated the word education to mean schooling, and then uh, Jewish education copied it. We, this whole thing began out of a larger, a, an attempt to broaden the campus. So then the framework of all of this is the diversity of uh, contexts, which together should now be described as doing Jewish education in America. Rebecca and Hillel, please tell us your initial impressions of this document. You know, in so many ways, my work at Rochelle Zell, I mean, this is incredibly resonant and, and we are a day school and it's a, and, and I, I would say we're, you know, we're kind of good as measured by these commitments and these values and these sensibilities. Um, and by good, I mean that, you know, a lot of this is going on and a lot of preparation is going on and it's surely not over by 18. But I, I guess, it, I guess the, I guess, I guess the ambition also, you know, and the, and the boldness of this, of this broad sense of vision had me wondering about just this, this broad vision, you know, and, and, you know, and, and so I can look at our small, our small mission statement, our two sentences, and really in two sentences, you know, in some ways we're kind of right on your page, but I can then pull up other schools missions and they don't sound at all like, you know, your page. Um, and that's interesting. But then even just sort of conceptually, I guess I'm interested in hearing about what you think is valuable about a vision or a framework, you know, sort of as, as, as broad as it is, it inevitably, it inevitably, you know, creates borders and boundaries and raises questions about what's not there and what is there. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the 21st century, you know, when Paula Hyman sort of spoke to the question of what should an educated Jew 
I don't know what is what does she say who is an educated Jew in you know written mm-hmm. in, in the Shmad um, journal you know she was very explicit about the inability to have unity and also you know Jewish Jewish unity and also the non-desirability of that perhaps you know as well and so and articulated prerequisites for um, what you know was, was her open canon concept. So I guess I, I just, I guess I have questions about, I guess I have questions about that, that perspective. Um, and it seems to sort of dovetail also with what strikes me as a, as a broad commitment to, to sort of a Jewish civilization model. And, and I'm, you know, kind of interested in that and lots of questions about that, which we don't have to get into right now. Um, and then the only thing I'll name right now, and then I'll, I will, I will pass, pass it on. I don't know if vision this is really a genuine question. I, I, I don't know if visionary statements ever sound, you know, just sound way more kind of entangled in, in, in critique and complexity and, and all that, you know, or if it's like, you know, cause you know, if, if in the project of, of, of ideals, it always, it, 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 it always sounds sort of harmonious rather than disharmonious and um, and so, like language of of critique, of work, you know, and kind of like the you know, and and it, and even language of, of of a kind of even a more activist language of of dismantling or because I can imagine I just read a friend's piece on kind of liberatory education for the Chicago public schools, which of course is all about power and dismantling of power and kind of and 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 lots to say about all that, but. Um, so I, I was interested in just kind of thinking through, especially at a time when our Jewish community is facing a lot of internal challenges, uh, questions of divisiveness, questions of, of, of increasing polarization, uh, questions of, um, you know, you know, do we, do we agree on ideals and, and should we agree on ideals and, and do we agree on the, the, the list, you know? So I, I'm interested in your thoughts about all of that. Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for this document. Um, I spent my time reading this document, trying to trying to understand, trying trying to organize it. I guess I'll just I'll just use that word, trying to organize it. And I came up with all sorts of possible um, structures of organization. Um, like I'll sort of explain to you why I did this, but I'll just sort of just throw out a few different a few different binaries here. So public, private, personal, interpersonal critical, creative, or critical and non-critical, maybe learning versus experience. Um, I'm just sort of trying to read it through the lens of, let's say, a a day school educator in my own school or my own system. What I understood this as was sort of a spectrum of, a spectrum of experience that everyone, that should be present, as you said, in the ecosystem that everyone should experience at some point before they hit 18. Um, as someone who is both a product of the Orthodox Jewish day school system and also had only really just been an educator in the Orthodox Jewish day school system, um, I found this really interesting as a thought experiment for, for me, because I, I, I can tell you that all this, all of my students, and I, I mean, maybe this is a generalization, but all my students and all my, all my own experiences, let's say around culinary experiences around, you know, or around Kashrut are kind of built in or they're baked into the ecosystem, if you will. Um, but my experience in kind of bringing in Jewish art or Jewish, Jewish poetry into the day school system, my experience bringing or challenging the norms of Jewish prayer in the Orthodox Jewish day school system, 
I found this to actually be kind of a useful document. So, um, you know, maybe maybe Rebecca is sort of what you're getting at. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit, you know, in terms of the 18 number and why you're hitting 18. Um, so I've only been in high schools in the last in the last 15 years of my career. Um, and I think a lot developmentally, you know, ranging from 14 to 18 and a little bit of the work that I've done in prayer and a little bit of the research I've done in prayer has has shown that you know, students really shift their developmental perspective on prayer. So I think 18 is right in terms of wrestling with God. Maybe 14, 13, 14 is more, maybe there's more, you know, I'm thinking of, of, of what, was her, what was the book? Um, um, help, thanks, wow. You know, maybe there's more wow. Maybe there's, maybe there's more wonder. Maybe there's more help. Maybe there's more asking. Maybe there's more gratitude. But I think the wrestling, you know, or understanding that things, you know, things are, are irreconcilable. The questions are part of, of Jewish tradition. That I think is kind of more of the 17 or 18 year old, um, you know, developmental m- moment. Um, I think about creating, you know, creating Jewish art, you know, I think that's, that's, that's really interesting. That's really novel. I think you have to understand your, you know, you have to understand your tradition, I suppose, to some degree, you have to experience the tradition and you have to, you have to have some sort of literacy or knowledge of the tradition. Um, I think, I think, Maybe that's why it's the last one. I'm not sure if that's if that's the reason why. At least in the order that I'm reading it, that the, the creation of the art is kind of Jewish, Jew, being Jewish as being sort of an artist, um, and and adding to the tradition, um, adding liturgy or you know whatever it might be. Um, so you know it was exciting, and I would sort of you know I, it's not a challenge. You know I, I I'm excited about this document, but but within my system, I'm kind of wondering how can I take this and apply this. And I think Prisma is probably wondering this also, how can I take this in and apply this um, within the Orthodox day school system um, in a way that feels like, you know, that my, my, my colleagues here or my peers elsewhere in similar schools wouldn't just sort of say, okay, yeah, they, you know, check, 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 check. They pray, they, they're eating kosher, but more like, um, are they wrestling with like these, these kind of deeper theological questions? Are they wrestling with God? Are they really hitting the core narratives, even in the day school system? Um, and I, I think, you know, creation, revelation, what was your creation, redemption, revelation? Um, you know, are we thinking about those in terms of not just text, but as theologies, right? Um, or as practices, right? And I think that's kind of where it's safe for an Orthodox day school system to be creative. And I think it's also, it's also kind of a challenge that your document's kind of putting forth. So I guess I guess my bigger question is how is how's an Orthodox day school system supposed to read this document, um, and am I doing it right? <laughs> um, am I am I and 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 the way I'm doing it is sort of I'm kind of pulling out the items that were resonant to me as as a product and as a producer within the system. Um, so you tell me. The first thing I'll say is that the the lengthy contemplation that each of you has given to this document was its primary purpose. <laughs> um, its its aim, and, and that would sound maybe a little like, you know, I, I don't know, trite, but, but really its aim was to bring back this kind of conversation to um, a field that, as you said, hello, and, I, and I'll say this about day schools, by the way, in, in particular, with which I have a lot of familiarity, can can sometimes curricularize checklist items. Um, sometimes I've, I've I've asked day school educators, you know, why do you teach Shmuel Bet? You know, no one can tell me why they want to teach Shmuel Bet except for that there's a Shmuel Aleph and you can't have an A without a B. You know what I'm saying? But but getting back to the basics of why this particular decision 
what the intended outcome of it is and all of that. This is the kind of conversation that we intended to spur on. So I'm very happy to see that it's happening in this context as well as in the context of that fellowship I mentioned earlier and in and, and, and other places, um, apparently on Facebook quite a bit as well. So, so that's the first uh, reaction. And the second one is, I think, Hill, also your questions about how does this apply to this setting are exactly the ones that we anticipated would be um, uh, a charge to educators in each of those settings to say, what does this mean for me? And to realize, um, as Rebecca had said, the, the resonance of some of it in, in, in everything that you do, and also the possibility that, that it might not resonate at all, right? Um, I, I, we did run it by a few Orthodox day school educators who dismissed it offhand and said, you know, we, we're already doing all those things, you know, not, n- n- don't need to do anything further, we're all good, you know? Almost any level, it doesn't have to be orthodox. There are many day schools that could say the same thing, or I certainly would hope so. Number one, without vision, there is no education and there's no Jewish education. Jewish education is about vision. The vision of Jewish education in the, in the 20th century was to enable Jews to be uh, good Americans and at the same time to retain some Jewishness. It was good for the 20th century, and for the 21st century, the vision has to be to create some kind of richer, authentic kind of Jewishness. Second is, I think there's a need to return to what might be called um, the three levels of objectives. Uh, well, it's the ago. Aims are the largest visions in life. These are the things that uh, the chazon um, goals are that process of translating these large ideas into the next level, which is content areas or the like. And then objectives, the third level, are the lesson plans for the day. And um, our feeling is that Jewish education, once it succeeded at integrating American Jews into America, it gave up the larger vision. So the third point then I just said is aims, goals, and objectives, and that this has been missing in the discussion of Jewish education. The fourth point, and this is a very personal point, I live in the stratosphere. That's the world that matters to me, the world of literature and poetry and beauty, and um, the world of uh, chazon, the world of uh, what could be. That's why Israel has played such an important role in my life. I know Israel's got its problems, but Israel is an unbelievable phenomenon in the history of the Jewish people, the modern state. So part of this is to try and move people back to the stratosphere. Jewish educators are not simply technicians. They have to be uh, dreamers. The fifth point, Jewish education should not be a democracy. In other words, it should not be uh, in the hands of people democratically deciding to pick and choose at the table of what matters. So in that sense, this document, you know, we present it in a um, accessible way, but behind it, there are much bigger, bigger things. The automatic assumption when people see something like this is, this is normative. 
you know, nobody, you know, this is old people telling young people what to do. This is the, the, actually, this was a product of a lengthy process of scholarship that engaged a lot of different, very smart people, stakeholders, and even young people in understanding what they thought were these 18 things and what different aspects of them resonated. And so in some respects, you could say this is um, out of step with the times. In fact, we look at this as countercultural. We look at the culture of the early part of this century as being very much responsive to, you know, what do you want to do? How do you, you know, and both Barry and I are Deweyan. And, and as Dewey reminded us in his clap back to the progressive educators in the early 1930s, no, this is not go ask the kids what they want to do and they're going to, you know, go on the jungle gym and run around and eat ice cream all day. That's not what progressive education is about. It's about introducing them to of the community and introducing, socializing them with each other and the like. There's a very direct purpose there. It's not just let's do whatever. Um, and so we, we fall into that notion of uh, providing a framework that is a compass or a map or a guide for a system that that can sometimes use it. By the way, the countercultural is exactly how I just just recently articulated what Jewish education is. In fact, it's countercultural. I mean, it's it's entirely countercultural, and arguably, it's always been actually countercultural. I mean, even even in the 20th century, when it was trying to acculturate, you know. And I'm with Heschel on the notion of maladjustment. I really am. You know, no one with a sensitive conscience should be well adjusted, right? I mean, so I I'm all about the countercultural and maladjustment, I guess I'm only raising from that vantage point what it looks like to bring young people into our precious jewels that we cherish and want to, to um, want them to wear and want them to feel at home in and want them to see as their language to mix metaphors and their way to be in the world and be a human and be a Jew. And that there is a part of that that is um, is a kind of is a kind of critical mindset, you know, is a, is, is is critique, you know, is is questioning, is is seeing what isn't there and needs to be there, or seeing what's there and isn't working. And so, I, I so I think that I think that is like you know, I'm not suggesting a kind of well, you know, Jews like you know their pets, you know, young Jews like their pets more than prayer. So we got to figure out a way to talk about pets, you know, and make that a spiritual, you know, I mean, that's what we're looking at, right. In terms of the, the results of the Pew, you know, data. Um, so, you know, I mean, prayer is not in fashion. If we were going by what are, you know, the younger generation, we would just stop it. Right. And, and I'm certainly not, I see the power enormously. And unlike Hillel, I mean, I'm working in a liberal Jewish world and not an Orthodox Jewish world. And, you know, tefillah is at the heart of what we do there. And it's, it's, it's the most complex and difficult thing that we do there. there. I still think there's something about a sensibility that is, you know, we got a lot of work to do, you know, and, and, and we're raising children to do a lot of work. And I don't, I don't feel the sensibility in this particular document. But then again, I don't feel that sensibility in our mission statement at RZ either. Right. Because, I mean, 
I just, you know, so I, I think there could be something to be said about, you know, come on board. We got a lot of work to do and, you know, it's dark and heavy versus, right. I mean, so I don't know, there could be a lot to say about marketing or, I mean, there could be a lot to say about a lot of things. I like the stratosphere and I like, I like the chazon, you know, and I really, I really think it's important not just to engage educators, but to engage students in that and, and, and young people in that, because it's a very exciting place to be. Um, and that's work of imagination. And so, so we are, we are opening eyes to imagine a world and, you know, a world that maybe isn't. And so there is the past and the civilization and the heritage and the jewels, but then there's also the world that isn't yet. I think that's so, a great that's a great um, point to to develop, and I want to uh, I want to talk about that specifically since the Pew study just came out and it's been referenced a couple of times. And the Pew study, you know, everyone's talking about how it just kind of highlights the divisions in our community, growing bigger and bigger in many ways. And this document seems to be, if there's something kind of uh, utopian about it and and kind of a throwback at the same time to a vision of a more united community it's that it's that it's that idea that you can put in one document a vision that will potentially uh, include every jew every young jew so do you have that utopian vision for this document and for jewish education can bring Klal Yisrael uh together in some way title of a, of a very powerful and important work in the history of American education um, always sticks with me. It was by a radical uh, social reconstructionist named George Counts in the 1930s, who asked the question in the, tit- the title of the piece is, Dare the Schools Build a New Social Order? And um, it, it always sticks with me because I do sometimes, and very very much believe in the power of pedagogy and in the power of a rising generation and in the capacity of educators, um, not just transmitters of knowledge, but of guides towards finding knowledge to liberate our minds in one form or another um, and bring us to another place, not, not again for the sake of being in, indoctrinaire in one way or another, but rather for the sake of opening minds and new pathways and avenues. I'll say one thing about this document. You know, it doesn't say, you know, thou shalt believe in one God, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Though, of course, that that would be fundamental to to what we're trying to do in Jewish education anyway. But it talks about wrestling with God um, as a notion of, I don't know if I would say critique, but at least engagement in a, in a deeper and more difficult, more challenging way than... Um, than just acceptance, than just Torah mi Sinai, if you will. Um, we chose every single word in this document quite consciously. And, and that was one, by the way, with some of our advisors, we had a whole advisory group. Um, that was one of our stickiest conversations, actually. Some mm-hmm. people wanted more God. Some people thought, God, you know, that, that's too much of a flashpoint in general, just to put that. And here I'm talking about Jewish education. You can't have the word God in the Jewish education document. 18 things we ought to be engaging with. I'd, I'd love to hear you on this, Hill. How does this sit with you? I, I mean, like I mentioned before in my first remarks, I thought wrestling with God was actually really great, um, developmentally speaking. 
I mean, I did a little bit of a case study uh, a long time ago. I, I ran a meditation tefila um, at SAR High School, um, and I tracked the data for five years um, where I got input. It was really just sort of me just, you know, just pulling the kids, but I got input on their relationship to God before and after. I, I think sitting in silence, let's say, with God and, and, and talking about God in, in, a, in a mildly different way, but within a normative setting or within, let's say, within, with a, with a mechitza in the room, within ortho, in an orthodox setting. Um, I, I think for the students, they, they didn't feel like there was a, you know, they didn't feel like there was a tension there. They felt like within a normative practice, you can, you can grapple with your faith. You can mature perspective on God. Um, and I, I explicitly talked to them about developmental stages of, 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 uh, of God um, wrestling, I think is, is one of them. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's the right one to, uh, you know, to move, to move towards, towards the end of high school. So, I mean, personally, I didn't have, I, I, I haven't ha- seen an issue with that. I think, I think, you know, I think even in Orthodox settings, and maybe you'd be surprised to hear this, but I think even in Orthodox schools and certainly the, the school I'm in right now is perhaps one of the most traditional yeshiva, modern Orthodox yeshiva high schools um, in the area. I don't think there's enough God talk actually. Um, I think, I think it's almost like, it's almost kind of a beneath the surface, kind of like it's a given, but even with, even, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of good theology that we can do in a really kind of, in a really kind of profound way, but it's almost like we're doing a lot of, um, Talmudic stuff, right? We're doing a lot of legalistic stuff, but maybe we're not doing enough, um, Israel or, or what the equivalent of a class like that would be. And I think there's a lot of room for growth in that area. The central, perhaps, goal ultimately is, number one, to enfranchise headmasters and teachers to do what you two thinker practitioners do uh, in your schools, to enfranchise and say, the way you're going is the way that we should go. And here it is, it may be a fight with the denominations, one I'm willing to take on. This is not a question of denominations. Denominations can interpret the Tanakh the way they want to. They can interpret the the rabbinic literature the way they want to. But there is rabbinic literature, and there is what's known as um, um, literacy in a tradition. And our tradition is a literate tradition of words and thinking and practice. And we find it missing, it, missing. I mean, your two schools are exceptions. If, if, there were, if this were about the two schools you two are about, there's no need for this. This is about the majority of Jewish education. And I got to remind all of us one thing we always forget. The majority of young Jews go from uh, 8 to 13, one, two, or three times a week. And that's what, 70, 80% of Jews. It can't continue that way. So in that sense, maybe this is not for everybody, but it certainly is thrown out there as a challenge. Although I am completely with you, Hillel, on the developmental and the formative nature of that high school. I mean, I, you know, love teenagers and feel the power of that transformation between ninth and um, 12th grade, exactly in the way you're saying. Um, I do think that if parents were in some of my classes, you know, parents of young children, it would be a transformative um, opportunity for that family to, you know, in terms of their own relationship to Jewish texts, Jewish tradition, Jewish culture. These, this tradition has so much wisdom and beauty and brilliance. 
and it's persuasive. I mean, it's actually persuasive. Really what we meant was, and I think Hill, you touched on this as well, they're touchstones, you know, along a life's journey. Um, and we would be remiss in a Jewish education, again, ecosystem, enterprise, whatever you want to call it, if these core 18 things, al-shloshadivarim, things, that, that, that there was no exposure to someone who was a serious student of Jewish um, education or Jewish civilization, participant in Jewish life um, to these matters with the, with the idea that that should, as Barry said, just launch a lifetime of, of further learning. You don't, you don't get to pass a final, you know, for graduation and then say, okay, now I'm done. Now I'm good. This is supposed to be the 18 things that are going to inspire a life journey. I want to ask something about the orientation of this of this document, you do at, so Hillel talked about the kind of balance of different ideas that, that exist in, in it. And um, there are places where you talk about the relationship between Jewish thought or in culture and non-Jewish thought and culture and the importance of, of thinking about that. You include the, the notion of tikkun, tikkun olam, but you kind of translate that as give me lut chasadim and let people run with that. But for, for many Jews, their notion of Judaism is perhaps perhaps a prophetic one that uh, Barry alluded to as, as one that primarily dictates our interactions with the world, with the larger world beyond the Jewish world. And I'm not sure I necessarily saw that so much in this document. So I'm wondering... I'm wondering if you see this, these ideas, this, this idea of Jewish education being able to accommodate that sense of Judaism as uh, very much an outward kind of world improving kind of world conscious imperative. Uh, we want we want all of our my, the young rising generation of of American Jewish citizens citizens of. Uh, American Jewish society to be good voters and good members of the Kihila as, as one of our, you know, 18 points to um, of, of that community. And we don't see those as, as necessarily exclusive. They're, they're, they are wrapped up in each other in a lot of different ways. And yet at the same time, again, I think, I think what we're trying to do is ground the, the, the meaning of this system and, and the direction of our work back in a um, identifiable Jewish tradition and civilization and conception of life that we think will be more enriching than just the Thanksgiving turkey trot. It's not just about running, eating, and watching football. There's a lot more to it. And so I, I do want to draw some distinctions and say, oh, we can gum the gum. We can do that too. Um, but also have more meaning in, in different sorts of ways. How much of, is, how much of this really is a charge to, to schools? And how much of it is a charge, let's say, to families, to parents? 
as a parent of young children myself, I think a little bit about, you know, we, we subscribe to, um, to PJ library and we get a lot of Jewish sort of Jewish cultural books and, and some of them, some of the books touch on the, theological stuff, but, um, if this document, let's say we're informing the curriculum for PJ <clears throat> library, I'm just, you know, so I'm just saying something like that. Right. And that's because that's a direct Avenue into the home. Um, would it, you know, maybe it would be richer, maybe it would be less about Thanksgiving trotting and more about, you know, maybe more about Jewish art and exploring that, you know, I, I don't know. So I'll just say for two seconds that PJ Library is participating in the 18 by 18 fellowship. Oh, cool. That's great. <laughs> so, so maybe there will be some translation in that respect, but Thanks. your point is very, it, it, this was something that drove us from the start, that the home is a central piece of this ecosystem and therefore, there needs to be a mutuality between what's going on in any educational setting and what's going on in the home. I learned from uh, one of my great, great teachers, Barry Hazan, that parents drop their kids off at school and say, make my kid Jewish. But it's, it's not that easy, right? I really take issue with like the those who want to divide between the universal and the particular. I think that that binary is inauthentic to Judaism and Jewish civilization. I think we are universal and particular and universalism is a deep part of our tradition as is particularism. And um, I think your document is deeply invested in the human as much as the Jew and I, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that, but I think, you know, for me, that's not a, a threatening notion, but, you know, the, the you know, I, I imagine worlds out there, you know, Jewish worlds out there that, you know, aren't thinking a lot about what it means to be human, but are thinking a lot about what it means to be Jewish. And I imagine there are worlds out there that are thinking a lot about what it means to be human and not a lot about what it means to be Jewish, right? So I take the commitment to humanity as a, as a core Jewish commitment emanating from the Torah. I just think in the process of having to like, you know, align ourselves with like, well, I'm not in the Tikkun Olam camp, you know, it's like, no, I'm in the Tikkun Olam camp. And I'm also in the camp of those who want to keep Shabbat and keep kosher and, you know, daven every morning and put on tefillin because I'm a human and a Jew. I'm interested in the richness and not the diminishment. And to me, the choice is a diminishment. So you know, my, my issue with somebody who only cares about social justice is that they're just like Chaval missing out on like a world of richness, but it's not to demonize the commitment to social justice, right? I mean, because we can't, you know, we who see ourselves to be thickly textured also care about social justice, right? So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to dig into all of this. Thank you all for spending so much time uh, discussing these ideas. And I think we've, we've seen at the end some of the challenges of bringing the community together. But if we, we have any hope to do so, it really revolves around kind of having some kind of core idea of what Judaism is and what Jewish education is all about. And uh, I think preserving some kind of utopian hope around Jewish education is uh, is is valuable and i think that's that's one of the gifts of this document so i want to thank you thank you for hillel and rebecca for engaging deeply with it thank you ben and barry for for presenting this to the field and and offering it as a 
conversation starter for what our values are, what we want our Judaism and our Jewish community to be, and how we want to get there. If you like what you heard, please give the podcast five stars and share it with your friends and on social media. You can follow our podcast by searching for Prisma on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. To learn more about Prisma, go to our website at prisma.org and follow us at prismacjds. Prisma's work, including this podcast, is made possible by generous funders who believe deeply in the power of a great Jewish day school education. Visit prisma.org to add your name to the growing list of donors supporting Jewish day schools across North America. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed and we'll come back again soon for future episodes.